Hey there, it's Meike here. So before we jump into today's very important conversation, I want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by my Ultimate Podcast Guesting Workshop Series. So if you're someone who wants to learn how you can send fewer pitches and yet still manage to guest on more beautifully aligned podcasts to grow your business and build some pretty amazing relationships along the way, this workshop series is for you. This is an on-demand workshop, meaning that so long as it's in existence, you can access it 24-7, 365 days out of the year. So if you are interested in learning more about that, head on over to the link in my show notes where you'll find a sponsor link for this episode. And a quick tip for you when it comes to podcast guesting, I recommend that you start before you need it. And that's all from me for the sponsor message. And now back to the show. Hello, my lovelies. This is May K. Sang, your podcast guesting strategist and mentor, cat lover, and the proud host of the Quiet Rebels podcast. This is the place for experts on the rise who are finally ready to stop playing small and to start showing up as the leader they've always been. And contrary to what you might think, you don't have to be the loudest person in the room in order to be heard. You've always been the type to see things differently, and you've always chosen another pathway if the one laid out in front of you just doesn't align with your way of life. You're not alone in this. So to help you on your journey, I'm bringing conscious conversations to the table with myself and guest experts who will help you with the inner work that needs to be done in order to make a positive impact on the world with what you do. I see you. And now it's time to hear you, my friend. So please welcome to The Quiet Rebellion. Hello, my wonderful Quiet Rebels. I have a really interesting conversation today with my special guest, who is an expert in understanding how codependency and people-pleasing affect us in our lives and our businesses. And as we are business owners who are kind of you know, our business kind of like intertwines with our lives, right? And I honestly have never heard of anyone who's actually spoken about codependency the way that my guest does. And the way that she describes it is that codependency, the problem with it is that it often takes away from our talents and our gifts in the world. It kind of creates this distortive exhaustion that many of us actually might be unaware of that we're actually experiencing in our lives. And this might be the very relationship that you didn't know that you were in. So please join me in welcoming to the virtual stage, Johanna Bogart. So hey, Johanna. Johanna, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today. <laughs> thank you, Mekay. I'm really happy to nerd out with you about this. Oh, yes, we do love our nerds here. <laughs> <laughs> so Johanna, tell me about how you really got into this, because um, as I mentioned uh, just a minute ago, a lot of people do talk about people pleasing, right? But there are not many people who actually talk about codependency, which I feel has much deeper roots. So tell us all the things, like how did you get into this and how did you wind up talking about this so profoundly? Yeah. Yes, I agree. People-pleasing and codependency are so related. And that that's really when, when I got into it, is when I experienced in myself at 23 the Venn diagram where people-pleasing and codependency overlapped. And I was in therapy, and my therapist gave me the book Codependent No More. 
I read it in two days, went back to her office and I said, no, I don't. This has nothing to do with me. (laughs) I'm fine. Which of course is the beginning of a long journey of finding out uh, I'm not fine. And I was living in New York at the time. So my values were very capitalist. It was like, how can I look better, make more money, be attractive to more men and live in a nicer apartment and um, never sit down? How can I be as busy as possible? Because that makes me more important. And these are end up being people pleasing values of um, wanting everyone to like me. And so trying to hit the values of society so everyone will like me. But they were also getting to my codependency of thinking I can make people feel a certain way. I can make people see me a certain way. Because the distortion with codependency is thinking that we can make people do stuff or that we know what's best for people and we can force them to change or heal or have our perspective. So I'll actually just define these things really quickly as I see them. People pleasing is when you compromise yourself to get someone's validation or approval. Mm, yeah. And codependency, my teacher, Miriam Hasna, defines it as a relationship in which one person is overly giving and the other person is overly taking, overly mm. helpless. And sometimes we force this relationship into being. The person doesn't want our help, but we're like, do you want a jacket? Are you cold? Do you need food? And we're kind of forcing them to need us because we we feel safer in the codependence. So I eventually left New York. I moved to Ecuador. My heart was like, you need to leave this place. And my head was like, okay, but we need a logical reason. So I said, okay, I'm going to learn Spanish before I get a master's. But I... I traveled for two years. I learned Spanish. I fell in love. I got married and now I live in Mexico and I am a coach instead. That is quite the journey. And I appreciate the, the, the recognition that you had in yourself. And, um, you know, we're all about transparent conversations over here on the Quiet Rebels podcast. And oof, that really hit home when you said the, like, yes to the people pleaser. And to the codependent relationship, I thought, oh dear, <laughs> the the many relationships in life that um, show signs of codependency. And I think it, it's almost kind of like, um, hmm, I almost feel like there is a diluted joke these days about like, oh, I'm a recovering people pleaser, you know, um, but it actually might be a bit more serious than we think. And how have you found that this impacts people in business when they do kind of continue on with having people pleasing tendencies and habits as well as developing unwarranted codependent relationships yeah that's a great question because on the surface codependency can feel or seem like it's helping you it's like I am good at pushing people into the sale. I'm good at getting people to click the link. I'm good at getting more followers. And so we think the numbers show that I'm succeeding. Mm. And simultaneously in your body, you might be getting more burnt out. You might be getting more tired. You might be resentful. You might even find it hard to enjoy the parts of your business that are beautiful. I remember like I went viral on TikTok last year and I was getting all these messages like, I need help. Help me. What do I do? And I felt 
so resentful. It should be the dream situation. Here are all these clients who want support. I I hit a nerve and I can work with these people. And instead I was like, I was like, oh my God, how am I supposed to help all of these people? And also, how dare you want more from me? Do you know how much of me I just put into these videos and now you want more? Because when we're codependent, we feel like we owe people so much. We're just constantly giving, giving. And we imagine that people are going to get that back to us at some point, but they can't. They can't because that's not how that's not how energy was ever supposed to work. We can't force our energy into people hoping they're going to bring it back to us on the other side. And I was creating a situation of enabling where I thought I told them the pain point. I told them the problem. Now they're coming for me to me for solutions. I have to give it to them. And so I started to feel this pressure and responsibility of I have to save people because when we're in codependence we're either the damsel in distress or we're the the martyr or we're the rescuer we're either thinking like the savior I either have to save the person or I need to be saved and so in this dynamic I saw these potential clients as people I needed to save which is ultimately a very disempowering way to treat Mm. people as if they don't have inherent wisdom goodness, wholeness. And it's also enabling because I'm preventing them from actually experiencing the consequences of their own actions, which is what we do when we're codependent. We prevent people from experiencing their own rock bottom so that we can swoop in there and then they never have to change because they're never truly uncomfortable. Wow. I'm just kind of like mind blown right now. Um, I'm just imagining (laughs) this this TikTok situation that where you went viral and suddenly so much has been asked of you and it's like whoa hang on I didn't ask for this so so what did you do when it um you know when you realize that oh wait I've created a you know I've encouraged enabling here so what did you do to resolve that yeah so I didn't figure that out at the time I was I just was like how do I hold on to this and never let it go. I found something that society tells me is important, which is attention. How do I hold on to this attention and um, keep it? So how do I replicate that viral moment? And this, this is people pleasing. Like I got people to like me. How do I keep doing that so that they keep liking me? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a, it's a misunderstanding about how relationships work because I'm thinking that I can actually earn love, which is impossible. Have you ever tried to make yourself love someone or make yourself Mm -hmm. stop loving someone? Mm -hmm. It's impossible. You don't have control over your love. Mm -hmm. And in the same way, people pleasers, we think if I get their validation, that's love. So let me me earn it or let me prevent it. So I... Um, burnt out. I burnt out pretty hardcore. I was on TikTok about six hours a day trying to earn love, uh, trying to teach people not to do the thing I was doing. And then one day I just, I just felt disgust. I felt mm-hmm. disgust and I deleted it. And I just got back on yesterday, actually. I was oh, like, wow. you know what? Today I'm inspired and mm-hmm. it's been really fun. Okay, so this is really interesting because this mirrors a situation that I was in a couple of weeks ago from the time of this recording that one of my posts on Instagram went mini viral. And one part of me was extremely grateful that this hit 
so hard where it needed to you know where it's it's one of those uncomfortable conversations and I was I was really grateful that there were so many people who were resonating and responding um I also had a tsunami wave of dms that burned me out because I again a part of me was like oh I should be grateful for this I should be grateful and I am and I was as well but a part of me was like oh gosh um, because I'm extreme like I, I, literally yesterday at the time of this recording um, I did a IGTV live and I talked about the fact that I'm unsubscribing from the urgency culture so I don't respond to people's messages if I'm forcing myself to I have to be in that place of pure presence to do that and it takes a lot of capacity and I'm also a manifester which means that I have bursts of energy which means that I have super highs and super lows <laughs> and so oh my goodness so yeah how did you what made you decide to come back you said you were inspired but what made you feel like you were okay to go back there yeah what made me feel like I was okay I I have grown a lot in the past year and I understand now what I didn't understand then, which is that uh, nobody, nobody knows what, what I need to share with the world better than I do. Mm-hmm. So no one else can tell me what would make a good TikTok, what could make a good reel. And I was believing that, oh, that's gone viral. So I should copy that. I should replicate that. And I now see I'm not actually here for numbers. I'm here to share what I believe is really essential transformative information with those who are looking for it. So I'm no longer about trying to get people to do anything. So if the if the post gets 11 likes or if it gets 200, what matters is that those 11 or 200 people were there for it, needed it, and heard it. Not that I manipulated people by using clickbait into into like having a panic attack because I told them that their lives are falling apart, but actually because I gave them information that resonates on a deep level. And the knowledge that what I'm saying is true for me is wildly energizing, way more energizing than trying to figure out what people want to hear. So the entrepreneur in me is wanting to ask you, how do you, because for a lot of people, they want that attention because they need it in order to make sales, for example. So I'm curious, like, how have you made it work in a way that doesn't sabotage your sales and still allows you to show up as your best self? Like, do you know what I mean? It's like, so you had the superpower that most people are trying to get However, you're choosing to let it go because you don't like the response. Not that you don't like the responsibility that comes with it, but you you see the consequences that do come with it at the same time. So how do you strike that balance for yourself there? I'm so curious. So this is actually codependency with your business because I'm one individual. My business is a different entity. So this is a relationship. And if I'm forcing my business to succeed, I'm telling my business what it needs to do. What if this is the wrong business and I just need to learn that? The fear of failure, the fear of my business not working is what keeps me in that desperate, pushing, codependent 
relationship. What we do in codependence is we say, I need you to be this specific individual. I need this relationship to be good or to work or to be permanent. Therefore, you need to do this. And that's what I was doing with my business. I was telling it, you have to work. You have to make money. You have to get attention because this is my dream. And what if my business is saying to me, this isn't what I'm meant to do. And if it's not, I need to learn that yesterday, not in two years when I'm more burnt out. So actually there's great freedom in saying, okay, business, show me if you're meant to be in this world. Show me if this is, if this is for the long haul or if this is a growth spurt of the next six months. We cannot, I cannot personally hang my, what I see as my integrity on my business and say, um, okay, if that doesn't make the sale, then I'll do what was, what does, even though it hurts me. For me at this point, I'm saying, if this doesn't work, I will get a side hustle and do two things at once because I'm not going to force this business to be what it's not meant to be. Hmm. So what do you turn to to help you decide that between what is right for you and um because I know for a lot of people they like you know myself included I'm like huh how, how do I know that how, what, what, do, <laughs> what questions do I need to ask myself to help me find that decision about whether it's actually quote-unquote right to yeah. do yeah okay let's play around with this are you down for that Mikay? Oh, yeah, I'm down for all the things because I know that, <laughs> you know, please use me as a, a crash dummy. <laughs> because, um, yeah, I'm here for this. It's, it's really important conversation to have. Okay, so uh, think of a time this week, and anyone listening as well, you can think of a time this week when you have tried to force something. You're trying to get someone to do something. You're trying to get your business to get a certain result. You're trying to make people do or just one person do something. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Can you tell me what it is? Yeah. So I, so at the beginning of this episode, I shared that this episode is sponsored by my ultimate podcast guesting workshop series. And it's basically a three-part workshop series where I help people to send fewer pitches, yet secure more interviews and build lasting relationships. And a couple of weeks ago from the time of this recording, I had like a seven-day early bed period, but it's an evergreen product. And because it's evergreen, um, you know, is going to require a sales page at one point. And whenever I launch anything in my business, I've done a traditional launch before. And it's ironic because I used to be a launch strategist. So I know that that's what's quote unquote supposed to happen. However, I've known, I know now to just validate my offer and just, just like talk to people and then send them a checkout page. They don't need the sales page. But as I'm looking to different ways to kind of like scale this offer, like with affiliates, for example, with eventual ads, I'm going to need a sales page. However, I felt like, oh, I need to do it by this deadline or else. But that's not the case (laughs) because I'm still waiting. Like I wait until I feel a certain way before I do anything because I have forced things before I have. Um, white knuckled my way through certain things because I thought I was supposed to but yeah so 
big round big tangent there but <laughs> my thing that I was forcing this week was trying to write the sales page uh forcing yourself to write the sales page to to get what to increase my chances of having more sales okay so you felt yourself trying to force your business to get you more sales yeah so going into that moment remember remember what what you were doing were you looking at a blank google doc were you at a (laughs) coffee shop just remember Uh, for a moment I wish I was at a coffee shop like we're still in COVID here yeah remember coffee shops I I actually miss my local coffee shops so much just bringing my laptop there and just staying there for like an absurd amount of hours um but yeah so it's basically what I love and what's also dangerous about using Asana as a project management tool is the fact that you can move around the tasks, i.e. I don't have to do something on a Thursday if I don't want to. I can just move it to another day. I like it because my my week changes all the time. Um, you know, I have to be aware of like oncoming things that are unexpected. So I'm just kind of like part of me is kind of bracing for something to change. Um, so I just remember I keep moving this due date further and further away. I keep postponing it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's what that's what you remember. Yeah. And go into your body in the moment that you were forcing, you were like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to write the sales page because I need to get results through my business right now. Oh, yeah. Um, you know that face you pull when you kind of like suck in air and we are like... <laughs> you yes. know, you, you, you make that sound and you kind of, I don't know, you pull your jaw down in this weird expression. And then I felt guilt in my body. I was, uh, it's, it's kind of, um, in my body, it feels heavy, but not like it's sinking. It just feels like a, a block there and it's wow. malleable. It's, it's gray. It's, um, it's goopy. It's like tar, you know, it feels like that. Tar. Beautiful. Goopy gray tar heavy block in your body guilt and you you so you would put the emotional term guilt on those on those sensations yeah guilt and kind of embarrassment is like you know when you kind of look down and you scratch your (laughs) you scratch your head you're like yeah I said I'd do this but you know (laughs) yeah yeah so there's this feeling I'm hearing some meta emotions so that's a feeling about a feeling so you have this (laughs) this underlying feeling of this isn't right and I'm forcing it I'm forcing I'm forcing and then this other feel like I'm not going to do it and this feeling on top of like guilt and embarrassment that you're not going to do it Mm. yeah we I I, I have a lot of meta feelings (laughs) (laughs) oh it gets meta fast it gets meta fast with feelings so thank you for saying this this is and we're going to keep going with another part but this is what codependence feels like in your in Meike's body in your specific body when you have that tar feeling like imagine running your business on that tar feeling imagine mm-hmm. like <laughs> imagine it's, saying it's I need sales. <laughs> yeah yeah it sounds slow it sounds impossible to be honest mm. Yeah, it's not it's not fun. And because I made a very conscious decision to not do anything out of obligation, and that's what 
allows me to be okay with the fact that there is talk that, that that there is tar coming up right now because I won't push through it. I won't try to rip it off and just like, oh, just take it off. I'm gonna do it anyway because I've done that so for so many years in my life and in my business. So that's why I keep the tar there because I'm not meant to rip it away. It's supposed to dissolve on its own. Oh, I'm not meant to rip it away. Right. It's sacred. It has a message for you, which is this is wrong. Mm. So acknowledging that anybody listening can also do this exercise to figure out what does codependency feel like so that you know when you're doing it because it's not you're you're going to logic your way. Your brain is going to be like, oh, but for X, Y and Z, we should do this. But your body is who will tell you. And if not today, then in 10 years when you're burnt out, like, no, this actually feels bad. This feels bad for a reason. So shake, shake that off. <laughs> shake that off. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Dissolve, Char. But yeah, bye, Char. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and now, what is a moment this week when you did something just because it felt right? It was like maybe like a lightning bolt of like, wait, you know what? I'm going to do that right now. And you just did it. Hmm. It's a bad that I need to look at my to-do list. <laughs> Girl. <laughs> oh, I know. Um, yes. The Instagram live that I did because I hadn't posted for a week and I actually got into a good habit of, because I used to post like once every few weeks. Um, and then I got into the habit of posting probably like three ish times a week, sometimes twice a day. Um, and because when I, whenever I do post, I want it to be intentional because I don't post on a schedule. I don't post on anyone's schedule. That's why I don't do content calendars. I I post, most people would think it's sporadic or spontaneous, but the way that I see it is that I post intentionally. And when I did that Instagram live where I talked about, hey, I'm unsubscribing from the urgency culture, I always spark some pretty amazing conversations in the comments and you can tell it's not just people giving me a one emoji comment or like oh great post it's no they're actually telling me what's going on in their lives and I only get those responses when I post with heart and intention and purpose so yeah that felt pretty good that felt good and it I want to go to that moment where it felt good before you even got it validated before mm-hmm. people even posted what's the moment when you were like this just feels good because it feels good mm, yeah it's been something that I've been because I had guilt over the past week I was like oh I should post but I'm not gonna so that tar was there right mm. and I felt that the tar was starting to shift when I was like hmm I have something that's probably going to be an unpopular opinion Turns out it was a popular opinion for my audience anyway, (laughs) because they're very conscious people. Um, But yeah, I just remember whenever I post something quite intimate, I always have my hand over my heart. It's just an instinct that I have. Mm. And even like if you were to just watch the first three seconds, you'd see that it's basically just me because you know when you click live, sometimes it takes a couple of seconds for the live to actually start, right? So the first three seconds, I'm looking in the top right-hand corner for where I am. And I just have my hand over my chest, my over my heart. And I'm just like just breathing into it. 
And when I see that it's live, I look directly at the lens. So people know that I'm looking at them. And I just spoke from the heart. I didn't have a script. I just had one message that was going to come out where it may. I shared stories, ways that I'm implementing it and why. It's not to tell anyone to do anything. I always say, if this helps you to give yourself permission, then that's great because it's not my place to give permission to other people. Mm, see, that is so that is sovereignty. That is sovereignty in business saying you empower your clients and not even just the people who follow you, your community, you empower them. You're not saying I know what's best for you. You know what's best for you. And you showed up with what you believed to be an unpopular opinion. So you were like, I could get flack. This could be a problem, but I'm doing it because I trust the rightness within my body right now. And, and that's what makes the calls in my life. And in doing so, this is a big, important part of leadership. In doing so, you actually lead your community forward because you're saying the thing your people are thinking and not saying. You said the unpopular thing that no one says because it's unpopular. And then everyone was like, wait, me too. And so when we're codependent, when we need to be liked, we don't lead ourselves forward. We don't shake up reality because we're trying to say what people want to hear. And we're denying our own humanity, our own truth, our own, I'm unsubscribing from urgency culture. And instead we're like, here's how to get everything done because life is urgent. (laughs) (laughs) Because we're not letting ourselves feel our own truth, which is that we're over it. We're over the urgency. So you, that's a beautiful example. And just to finish this process, what do you feel in your body right now as what was that rightness feeling physically? Mm. Well, I love what you said there. Let yourself feel your own truth. I think that is, I wouldn't say it's rare, but I'd say it's not the most common. Mm. And I felt relief when you said that, when you said, it's it's okay to do that that in a way it is leading because when people call me a leader I I kind of I kind of raise my eyebrow a little bit I'm like are you sure me (laughs) (laughs) Um, I actually reframe it for myself maybe there's something about being a leader that I don't feel like I'm quite ready for maybe it feels like too big a shoes to fill so what I call myself instead is like no Like you may see me like that and I'm not going to take that away from you. What I see myself as is a perspective expander because I do. Because I remember a friend of mine, she told me it would be very arrogant, not just of me, but for anyone to think that they need to change the industry. Instead, she said, why don't we just think of expanding it? Because the thing Mm -hmm. is, even if there are things in the industry that we don't agree with, the fact of the matter is it does work for them. And it's up to people to decide whether that's right for them. There are many things in the industry that are not right to me personally. That's why I'm okay with not subscribing to the status quo. Instead, I will unsubscribe and find my own way. And I will expand perspective as I go because I'm showing, hey, there is a different way. It's not the way to go. However, it's what I'm doing. I love that because it's also the... It's not the energy of resistance, which keeps you stuck. It's not the energy of like, how do we take this down? How do we like 
complain about this, go against this. It's saying I unsubscribe. So now I'll move in this direction, which is more like the energy of creation. And it has Mm -hmm. actually the same effect. It changes the status quo and it changes the culture, but you're not doing it from a place of destruction. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Not from destruction, but from creation, just in another part of uncharted land (laughs) that hasn't been touched yet. (laughs) (laughs) interesting so Johanna for anyone it's because um we've gone pretty deep into um you know the process being applied to me so if we were to kind of just like summarize how someone can just like start this process for themselves where could they begin for where they felt something was forced versus when something felt natural yeah so you can notice this week when you you do something because you want to make a certain thing happen so it's hard i know it's hard not to be attached to outcomes so just notice when you're really pushing you're like they're going to love this and i'm going to make them love it or i need them to click on this notice that mm. you're trying to get someone to do something and notice how it feels in your body and that is that is what codependence feels like in your body and your brain is going to try and make you come back to your brain and explain why it makes sense and why you should do it. So just stay in your body with those physical sensations. Mm. And then once you've done that, it's actually important to also know what rightness feels like. So think of a time this week when you've just done something from a place of pure inspiration Honestly, that's how I did my taxes. I put them off for three months. And then Sunday morning, I woke up and was like, it's time. And I just knew. Mm. And we, we all have those moments where it's not even a fun thing, but I just knew it's right. Right now, it's right. And when you know what rightness feels like, you can start to trust that more and more. But I really just want to emphasize, go into your body, know the what the sensation is and where it is. Because uh, that's what you can trust. Mm. Oh, yes, absolutely. Because resonance is so unique to us. No one can tell us what we're meant to feel. Well, people do tell us what we're meant to feel, but um, only we truly know whether that's true for us or not. Wait, that. that should be an Instagram post. Resonance. What? What you just <laughs> oh, said. actually, actually, so it is. It is. Um, I, I, did, I did one about resonance literally the other day. <laughs> But yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. So I'm really glad that it's it's actually a very simple process. I think it'd be quite it could unearth and uproot quite a few things depending on how deep someone wants to go. But it's definitely a great start. And um just using cues from our lives recently is good. And I'm just curious to hear from you. Um, you know, there are some times where we do have an external deadline that we need to adhere to so for example with your taxes um if it you like say if your deadline was saturday and but you only felt like doing it on sunday like do you just override that and just say oh okay it's an external deadline that's something i can't change i can't feel into that like do you ever get those feelings that's a good question i would say (laughs) i think of it almost like um so it's all 
literally, I don't even mean this metaphysically, but literally it's what energizes me and what doesn't. So if all week I have been making choices where I honored what felt right, then taxes are going to end up feeling right before Mm -hmm. they're due because I feel right. And Mm -hmm. I have that extra energy to do the hard thing. However, if, if I've been forcing myself for years, that is backlogged in my body and it's, it's not going to be easy to get to the rightness of taxes, which is a hard thing. Yeah. So you might have to force yourself to do things while you loosen up in the more flexible areas of your life, while mm-hmm. you build back some trust with your body, and also while you build back your energy reserves. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's just, it's like making space for the things that are more harder and more difficult to do because I don't like tax season either because it's very stressful and it requires me looking at a lot of numbers and like I used to love math in school but and don't get me wrong I love looking at how much money I've earned and everything but even so it's just the process of it is very draining so in order to adhere to a deadline that I know that's on a Saturday for example then all week long I'd have to do things to make other areas of my life easy for me mm-hmm. so that way I have the capacity to force myself to do something that I might not want to do. <laughs> yes. And I really am curious if ultimately you do have to force yourself. Mm-hmm. I I believe that you love your business. You're aligned I with do. your business. You believe in what you're doing and there you don't enjoy doing taxes, but I, I doubt you're forcing yourself. I think I think the thing is the anticipation before I start the doing. But when I'm actually doing it, it's actually like, oh, actually, yay, I get to see where all of my investments went. I get to see how many people I get to serve because, you know, saving all the receipts for all of my customers, all of my clients, um, you know, I'm face-to-face with their names. And I have this process of whenever I launch anything, I have their name on a post-it note. It's the only time I ever use excessive post-it notes because I have, I have whiteboards you know, to help me with that. <laughs> but other than that, um, yeah, I just get, and plus I really like my accountant because he's a referral from like one of my best friends in the world. So, and he's really good as well. So yeah, it's, it's just the build up to it, to decide to do it, but the actual mm-hmm. doing of it is actually not that hard. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I relate to that. Mm. It's um. Have you seen Finding Nemo before? Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so I literally rewatched it the other day because um, I love. I I grew up watching documentaries, and I always had a thing for the ocean, and so I watched Finding Nemo. And I say this to my clients quite often. I'm like, oh, I think you're having a Mount Wanahakalugi moment, and. <laughs> And for those of you who don't remember this particular scene or you haven't seen this, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Bunny Nemo, there is a point where Nemo, he's in a fish tank and he's being welcomed into the group, to the brotherhood. And so they have this little ritual that they do in the middle of the night. And basically what he has to do to join the club is to swim through Mount Wanahakalugi, which is like this little volcano that they have in their fish tank. And it's got these like bubbles that burst upwards as if it's erupting like a volcano. So everyone's chanting, they go, <laughs> like everybody's doing that. And it's chanting, it's getting louder. And the, the little shrimp sharks is like, Ooh! 
<laughs> and everything. And so they're really bigging up this task that Nemo has to do to swim through that. But when he actually just takes that moment like, oh, and he swims through it, it's nothing. It's actually like next to no pressure that he didn't fly out the fish tank. He didn't kind of like, you know, go up towards the surface or anything. It was actually quite simple. And it just goes to show that the anticipation of so many things that we're trying to avoid that we know we need to do, that's actually the worst thing. That takes the most energy is getting to that decision. But the actual doing of the action is actually not that much at all. I love that. And <laughs> I loved I loved the sound effects, the whole thing. <laughs> I'm like a Disney Pixar girl through and through. Like seriously, if you if you sing any Disney song that I know very well, I will join in like <laughs> Like Mulan, like, uh, you know, I'll make a man out of you. All of the Hoo! sounds that, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, um, as you said, you know, your bets were right. It's actually not that hard. But I just wanted to ask that of you to see if, um, if there is some force there. Because sometimes life isn't that easy for us where we can have the luxury to choose or wait right there's just some things that we unfortunately just don't have any control over that we can control ourselves and how we respond to it yes and i i appreciate that distinction you can also start to notice in your body the difference between unnecessary forcing and necessary forcing like adulting Mm -hmm. versus this is wrong but i'm telling myself it's right Mm, i like that necessary versus unnecessary forcing that's interesting and so this this whole conversation we've had johanna is like we've talked about codependency so i'm curious like what is the opposite of it that we're actually trying to have instead (laughs) so we can be essentially break up in this uh non-serving toxic relationship that we might have with codependency (laughs) yeah what are we trying to have instead I would say a lot of people say interdependence. I would say a more helpful word is sovereignty. Sovereignty. I am my own tiny nation. I am responsible for me. I'm responsible to other people in the sense that I have relationships with them. I have commitments to them. I ha- I'm responsible to my business. And I'm not responsible for everyone else's feelings, reactions, needs. I'm responsible for mine. And codependency, we make everyone else responsible for us, and then we feel responsible for them. So the opposite of that is coming back to, I am responsible for me, sovereignty. Mm. Oh, interesting, because I thought that it was going to be interdependence because I've been talking to my my cousins about a codependent versus dependent versus um independent or hyper independent rather and the and the interdependent relationship so sovereignty i like that it's just the way i I like how you call stuff like a tiny nation (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so we're responsible for ourselves we are responsible for the impact that we have on other people to a degree but we're not responsible for other people's decision making we can we can influence them but ultimately um, you know, the choice is still there, then we're not taking that away from them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. All right. I like that. All of these, there are such subtle nuances with all of these things, but they can make the world of a difference, can't they? 
oh, they have in my life. Yeah. Ooh, okay, so this conversation. Oh, okay. I'm listening to my body right now. There's a, there's a strange heaviness that I didn't expect. And I'm wondering if this is a, you know, that unearthing feeling when you learn something for the first time that's pretty profound on you. Oh, yeah. I, f- I feel like that's what it is. Because it's, it's not that weighing down heavy. It's like, oh, feel this punch in the gut. You're meant oh. to feel it, you know? Yeah. Hmm. What right. What's the punch in the gut telling you? Well, it's not a punch in the gut. It's a punch in the chest. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, my chest area seems to be where I hold everything. Anytime something is off, I feel it there. Is either heavy or it's buzzing in a bad way, not the butterflies. It's where <laughs> something feels really bad, or I feel like all of my energy is there. That's where it gets rerouted to all the time. And I'm wondering what it's teaching me. Maybe I'm I'm pretty sure what it's trying to tell me is like, yep, there's some codependencies in your life that it's all right for you to be aware of now and let go of in your own time. I feel like that's what it's saying to me. Oh, what a gift you just gave everybody. It's um, because it's not so, it's something like this is definitely not something to force, in my opinion, whether it's necessary or unnecessary. (laughs) So meta. (laughs) I'm looking at my notes. I'm like, yep. um." (laughs) Yeah, I just feel that. There's a lot of things that people try to do more of, add more to their plate. And sometimes I, I think to myself, well, what can you take off it first? So it doesn't feel like you're being overcrowded. It doesn't, doesn't feel like it's heavy that you can get to all of it. Because we've all overstuffed our plates at a buffet, right? And then we're like, crap, I shouldn't have add, added so many spring rolls. I should have added more sushi <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. Or And like but the way that my parents taught me was like, okay, go for, you know, the meats and the fish are the most expensive. Prioritize those. And then the vegetables <laughs> and then the starches. So the starches, like, you know, the pastas and the rices and all the things. And I feel that I've added a lot of starch, let's just say. And I really want to get to that sashimi. <laughs> yeah i think very often in metaphors especially food metaphors um in case you haven't no- um, noticed <laughs> i love that and i speaking of food metaphors i think of codependency often as like honey it's like mm. i'm trying to stick i'm either feeling sticky like i've touched something and now it's all over me mm. or i'm trying to get honey on everyone else like i want you to feel sticky i want you to feel attached to me Ooh. and sovereignty's clean it's like i'm not going over there i'm not jumping out of my body into yours i'm here uh, and we can interface just like this, just like you and me talking right now. I don't need to to jump into your body and force you to do something. For some reason, when you say sovereignty, it's like, oh, it's clean. I immediately thought of vinegar. <laughs> yeah, there we go. It's, the metaphor it's, is now complete. Yes, it is. I'm thinking of cleaning my kitchen now. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, because I know vinegar is pretty strong, but when it's diluted with a bit of essential oils, it makes a really natural... Um, you know, antibacterial spray. 
you know, one that's not so harmful. Because I think if we were to use like, you know, really harsh bleaches, for example, um, I guess that would be the force. Right? Mm, yes. Right. And yes. I feel like we need the diluted vinegar with the nice smelling essential oils. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let the good germs be there. <laughs> yes, exactly. Let's not kill them all, shall we? <laughs> because feelings are good. Even if we perceive them to be bad or good, it's important that we have them because they're called feelings because we're meant to feel them. We're not meant to numb them. Oh, okay. So what an interesting conversation this has been. <laughs> <laughs> so Johanna, we have gone through quite a few ebbs and flows, which I've really loved. And I love the, like, the live demonstration that you did on me. And, you know, thank you for that as well, just holding space for me there. And so as we start to wrap this up, for someone who is kind of listening to this for the first time, especially in this context, because we've heard of codependency in relationships before, but I have never heard anyone talk about it in regards to ourselves in business. So for someone who is listening to this point right now, where would you advise that they would start just so that they can become more aware of any codependency, any honey that's sticking in their life yeah. that they didn't need yeah. to have there? Where can you start? Notice, notice what area of your business feels the most um, fraught. Maybe you accidentally spend five hours on Instagram when you wanted to spend 30 minutes or maybe you've been hyping yourself up to pitch to podcasts for six months but still haven't and it's like a weight in the back of your head so notice the area of your business where you're feeling the most like almost out of control like there's something happening and it feels beyond you and start to see where where there's force where there's force there and where Mm -hmm. there is rightness Mm-hmm. all right so find the force find the rightness and what do they all have in common and what that means for you that's a good place to stop i like that <laughs> all right so i'm sure that we could speak much much longer than this interview is going to permit however for anybody who wants to continue this conversation with you where can they go to ethically stalk you or to learn the next the next part of the process because they because I know that it's not a sequential, linear, step-by-step process. It's very organic. Um, so where can they go to connect with you if they want to learn more? Yeah. Thank you for saying that because I did, before I did a group program, and now I've actually switched it to, I give all those same materials. I teach all the same stuff, same workbooks, same meditations, and you get a one-on-one call every two weeks because I've realized that when we're codependent and when we people please, we care so much what everyone else thinks that in a group setting, we can't get to to our inner truth. It's just, we cannot (laughs) on the level that we want to. So I have, I've learned to bring that organic element back in so I offer that it's like a it's a kind of a class experience but with one-on-one mentorship and you can find that at my website johannabogart.com and I'm always down for more Instagram conversations Johanna Bogart coach is my um, account Mm -hmm. all right so be sure to link to your website in case they want to check out um the different ways that you can help them and or help themselves or both 
<laughs> and to continue those conversations over on Instagram. So I'll make sure to link all of that up. So Johanna, I've got two final questions before I lovingly let you go for the rest of your day. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So number one is what makes you a quiet rebel? What makes me a quiet rebel? I love the term quiet rebels. The first time I saw that, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm not. I never thought I would be a leader, much like you. I never thought um, I would want to take up a lot of space in an industry or get interviewed even. And so I think that's the part of me that is, you know, identifies with being quiet. But there's also this part of me that very strongly wants to change the world <laughs> i'm codependent with the entire world i want to change the entire Aren't we all to a degree <laughs> <laughs> so still deconstructing that and uh yeah so that there's this part of me that's like no that's not how i want to do things and um i i want to kind of unsubscribe from this system i want to change it so mm. so that i i totally i love that you are breaking that stereotype of quiet meaning nice and saying we can be both we can be quiet and also you know real mm. yeah quiet doesn't mean shy because you know when they, they say this about people that they say like it's always the quiet one it's like damn right it's the quiet one <laughs> that's, well, yes. that's, that's what I think anyway for our lovely community here <laughs> I love that and my final question to you is my favorite that I get to ask every guest who comes onto the show, and that is this. So for those of you who have listened to the Quiet Rebels podcast, you know what's going to happen next. But just in case this is your first episode that you're listening to and you picked a really wonderful conversation at that, basically, when you hear the sound, it means it's time to ask our guest this question. So, Johanna, you are in our guest chair today, and I'd love to ask you, what is one weird fact or a fun story about you that no one else knows on the internet? Oh. Okay, here's here's the first thing that's coming to mind. I, do not, I don't know why. I When I was solo traveling, I was living in Ecuador, and it was time to leave. I could only be there for three months with my tourist visa. So I decided to go to Peru to a smart, small town to learn how to surf. And to get there, I needed to take a five-hour bus. And I think, yeah, it was a five-hour bus and then a seven-hour bus. I arrive. It's 10 p.m. We're in the middle of the desert. There's only two tiny shops and there's a lot of people in tuk-tuks. And I've heard so many stories because I was new to traveling at this point. So I still thought all strangers wanted all my money. And so I was so scared that at 10 p.m. someone was going to take advantage of my bags to say, oh, that's everything she owns. Let's take it all. And so I was telling this to someone on the bus. And by the time we got, by the time we, I, it was time to get off the bus, I was the only one getting off at that stop. The entire bus was giving me advice. This is what you need to do. You need to be funny. You need to be interesting. You need to tell them, you need to tell them someone's waiting for you. And I, I felt so much love, like in this moment of thinking, I'm going to get out there and strangers are going to attack me. All the strangers around me were holding me. 
And and then when I got out, I got into this tuk-tuk with two 14-year-old boys. They were driving. One of them had a guitar and he just serenaded me the whole drive. (laughs) It was all, (laughs) it was the sweetest. It was the sweetest. And when I arrived, I arrived at a hostel that was on, on, and it was at night. So you, you know, when you arrive at night and it's completely dark, you can't see the ocean. Mm -hmm. metaphor I couldn't you know I couldn't see these people I didn't know who they were but I knew they would hold me ultimately Mm. oh that is that is such a sweet story and I'm thinking of oh I I love it when someone just serenades with a guitar there's just something so special about a guitar and (laughs) singing and nothing else required it's beautiful But yeah. thank you for sharing that. Um, I would have thought the exact same thing as yourself and I would have been so overwhelmed. Um, and so feel I'd feel so blessed if I was suddenly surrounded by a group of people who just wanted me to feel safe, especially when I was on my own. So that's such a wonderful story. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And Johanna, it's been honestly, it's been a wonderful conversation and a really, really needed one. So thank you for just sharing up today, sharing your wisdom, your experiences, especially because we didn't even mention at the beginning that you are a certified, you're, you are certified in trauma-informed care by the Ericsson Coaching International and also that you are an internationally recognized coach for people pleasers as well. So I think that we, I'm going to pop your bio into your show notes just so that people can see that (laughs) as well, because I just love that we went into it. So just, just thank you for being here. Thank you. This has been a pleasure, Uh, a pleasure. Thank you so much. And so, my lovely, there we have it. So everything that we mentioned in today's interview will be popped into the show notes. So be sure to head for that link. And if you haven't done so already, I would so love it if you could subscribe to this podcast because that way you don't miss a single episode and another conscious conversation. And of course, if you feel cool too, I would so appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review because that really helps other quiet ripples find us. Oh my goodness. Okay, another great episode. And so I will be back same place, same time next week for another episode of the Choir Rebels podcast. So until then, my lovely, do take care and bye for now.